Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. October 30th, 2023, Andy P and Big G is in the building, Fans First Sports Network, elimination season is up on us, y'all. Welcome to the playoffs. Whether you realize it or not, it is the playoffs. The playoffs start this week for college football because we got a slate of games coming in for this week. It's the Magnificent Monday. The games that we're going to talk about is just unbelievable for this week's college football slate. But before I get to anything, I just want to thank all of you guys for rocking with us in the live chat, talking to us, giving us the feedback. Thank you for listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. But last but not least, I got to bring my co-host Andy P in there rocking the Pittsburgh Steelers outfit, uniform, whatever you want to call it over there. Andy, what's crack-a-lacking, man? What's going on, man? Because we are in playoff season. Welcome to the playoffs. We are in playoff season. I had to fly back uh, to the Berg to get my once-a-year Steelers game in. I picked the wrong game to go to. I've accepted that. Uh, so now I'm I'm fully ready to focus in on some college football after uh, watching the Matt Canada offense up close in person. I'm a little traumatized. I need to recover. I need to talk about good football. Uh, this, this show is going to help me remember why football is actually fun again. Man, I'm telling you what, man. I, You know, it's not – we're college football. We're not going to talk about the Steelers today. We're just going to leave that alone. But I'm disappointed. <laughs> and, and guess what? The Steelers need to go get the best off- offensive coordinator in college football and bring him in. And I'm going to leave it there. Right? Yep. I'm going to leave it there. But, <laughs> but Andy, Andy, man, this week's games, man. I mean, based on the shakeup that happened last week with some of those upsets, the picture got clearer, but the picture got a lot foggier too, man. Yeah. There's a lot going on, man. And like I said, you know, get ready and get used to this because next year we're going to have 12 teams in the playoffs. But this week with this slate of games, somebody going to the crib, dog. Somebody's playoff hopes is going to die this weekend with this slate of games. And I'm so excited about the games. Man, let's just get to it. I mean, man, I, well, I've talked long enough. I can go on forever talking about whatever. But, man, this is it. So let's start it off with a headbanger. LSU versus Alabama. Number 13, LSU, two loss, possible SEC champion, playing Alabama. Alabama's then circled the wagons, ramped it back up. Nick Saban's got them all believing. 
One loss to Texas won't kill our playoff hopes. He's trying to salvage his season. He doesn't want to be replaced by Dabo Sweeney for sure at the <laughs> University of Alabama. So, hey, we got this game. This is a big-time game. Andy, what you got with Alabama versus LSU? Yeah, this is the game that if you're if you're a fan of either one of these teams, this game's been circled for a lot of reasons. Obviously, this is part of the equation for the SEC title. This is part of the equation for figuring out if the SEC gets a second playoff team. You knew that it was going to be one of these two teams. We're going to talk about another team that I really like in the SEC that we didn't expect. Yeah. But this is one of those games where you know from a coaching perspective. I've had my issues with Nick Saban and the Alabama scheme this year. I've had my issues with Brian Kelly every year. Yeah. But this is a game where you know that the game plans are going to be on point. You know that things are going to be tight from a coaching perspective. And yeah. it's really going to come down to those in-game adjustments. And that's something where, at a high level, Bama has the edge. They're at, they're at home. We've seen Nick Saban this season successfully make those adjustments. Really, in that Texas game, what got him was that Sark was making the adjustments on the fly. Like he was Facts. adjusting to Saban's adjustments a lot better than Facts. any opponent has ever done before. Mm. And you look at what happened with Brian Kelly and LSU, they have a lot more evidence to show that they are struggling to make halftime adjustments. Like the Florida State game at the beginning of the year is the obvious example. But we've seen it a couple of times where they, if they don't get off to a hot start in the first half, they're not necessarily going to be coming back into a game they're going to be holding on for dear life yeah. and i think for me that's one of the more in like uh, we'll, i'll talk a little bit more about the stats and, and when we're talking about my picks and whatnot but for me i think that's the most interesting part of this game is going into it i expect a very cagey first half because both teams are going to be so good about their game plans and following scripts yeah who can adjust better because not neither team is perfect here so it's going to be about what do you what do you do to improve yourself at halftime and make those adjustments necessary to take advantage of what's going to be a close game. Total facts, man. And you know the thing about it is too is that there's NFL talent all over the place. The schemes dictate what's going on. You know, you're going to have four three traditional defenses trying to knock the brake shoes off of each other, play after play after play. And I just think, you know, just as a quick preview, the game's going to come down between what's going on with the quarterbacks. Jalen Milrow versus JT Daniel. And whether you like it or not, JT Daniel's a dark horse Heisman, ladies and gentlemen. JT Daniel's a dog. You know, so whether you like it or not, this could be his Heisman moment. But Milrow has shown improvement. As much as I can't stand Bama personally, I got to give credit where credit's due. Milrow has shown improvement because what he's done is his intermediate passing game has become more efficient versus him only being able to throw the long ball or him only taking off. So I like the fact that there's going to be a chess mass versus one st a strategy, just like kill Milrow, you know, and, or or versus just kill JT Daniels because both of them's running game has also picked up. But both defenses have huge holes. And, I mean, like I said, when we get to our picks for this game, we'll break it down a little bit more. So, Andy, I'm going to swing it back to you, man. Give me your breakdown, stats, what you got, LSU versus Bama, man. I love that you brought up the quarterbacks. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, go over to CFB 
graphs.com. They are one of my favorite sites to use because they track total team efficiency. Uh, their preferred metric is EPA, expected points added. It's a measurement of basically how good are you doing at adding value by every play. And this season, for the first time, the, used to you could only look at team-level stats. Now they've broken it out into defensive-specific stats. And my favorite, they just released quarterback-specific ta- stats. Yeah. And if you want to guess the top three quarterbacks in overall EPA, which quarterbacks consistently are adding positive value to their team, Number one, it's that guy over in Washington, my dude, Michael Penix Jr. Number two, right behind him, J.J. McCarthy, who is soft schedule aside, he has not made any mistakes. But number three, it's Jaden Daniels. And those three guys are in a tier all of their own, and every other quarterback is at least uh, multiple steps uh, behind those top three guys. So when we're talking about the best quarterbacks in the country this season – yeah. We're talking about Jaden Daniels in that conversation. And one of the things that he has done just so well um, is if you look at, you know, the yards per completion that he's been doing, like they like to take their shots. They like to target the deep middle of the field and they do so really efficiently. And I think that when you look at the inverse, when you look at the best defenses in the country, yeah. uh, one of the, the best def- Alabama has a top five unit in the country and where they really excel is limiting uh, limiting opponents in the passing game. It's a top five unit in the country, and I think that that's really where we're going to see this offensive scheme. You know, I'm 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 with our friend uh, Tim Lyons in the chat. I'm not a big fan of Brian Kelly. I don't I don't think any coach has done less with more he than Brian Kelly, Kelly has. <laughs> he said Kelly <laughs> the kid rocks. Wow. So I I'm kind of I'm with I'm with him there. But what I will say is that this J- Jane Daniels might be able to do it. And I think we've seen, I think you've seen it a couple of times, Big G. Yeah. This season when a great defense has gone up against a great offense, mm-hmm. the offense is still coming out ahead more often times than the defense is. That's not to say it happens every time. Like that Ohio yeah. State-Penn State game was a great example of how defenses can still dictate the pace of a game. Yeah. But Marvin Harrison Jr. did his thing. Like Facts. the bet offensive playmakers tend to in college at least, offensive playmakers tend to rise to the top. And I think that this is this is the game where we figure out if Jaden Daniels is a product of the LSU system and the LSU talent, or if he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country by pure moxie, guts, talent, whatever you want to have it. I'm I'm inclined to believe that he is actually one of the best quarterbacks in the country right now. Yeah, yeah, but Andy, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, man. Logan Diggs is a playmaker now. Don't don't get it twisted. The running back for LSU, he's a dog. 611 yards rushing, pass catch passes out the backfield. He's a beast. Now Daniels has done his thing because he's thrown for like 2,500 yards, but they got a thousand yard receiver sitting down there named Neighbors, man. And that kid's a playmaker too. So okay, yeah, strength on strength. Kool Aid McKenzie travels with Neighbors. But then who's got the kid coming out the backfield? Alabama has NFL talent all over the the place. But when you get to talk about he is him and he's a dude, LSU got some dudes offensively and defensively. If I look across the way about Bama, offensively, I see Milrow. Them other wide receivers, for whatever reason, he throws a great deep ball. But I don't see him killing LSU's defensive backs. I don't see that happening. Because they're NFL talent. 
So, so this is why I say strength on strength, and I'm glad you brought up that point because I think LSU has more playmakers than Alabama. You know, and then that's that's where you start talking about okay, it's a chess match. Now that might be the difference where Saban's got Kelly's number, but man, I'm telling you, in my opinion, LSU's playmakers are the real deal. They are the real deal. And and so I, you know, if I'm giving a tale of where I'm leaning, that's okay. But I, I think overall, and, and schematically, this I have seen uh Kelly go to an RPO style with Daniels. Daniels has 521 yards rushing, by the way, outside of almost his 3,000 yards passing. He has 521 yards rushing. And if this ain't him pulling it down and taking off, this is him running RPO, you know, hold on to the ball, hit the hole, pick up nine, pick up 10, and every now and then a bust one. So that, that change schematically has made a huge difference for LSU and why they've been winning game after game after game after game after game. So I think Bama's defense can be had, but that's just me, you know. Andy, what else you got about this game before we get to our pick man? Yeah, I thought I think you brought up one of the most interesting matchups that's going to take place in this game. So if you look at EPA, I just did all these things talking about how great uh, LSU is. Their offense, widely regarded as one of the best in the country by whatever metric you use. Yep. Their defense, on the other hand, is is raising some questions holistically. Um, if, if you look at EPA, they have LSU as a bottom 20 defense in the entire country. That That's, I think, a little bit harsh. SP Plus has them rated as the 42nd best defense in the country. I think yeah. that's a little bit more indicative. Yeah. But when I head over to PFF and I take a look at their graded, their best defensive players in terms of grading coverages, the only players that are above the, the average Mendoza line, a, a rating higher than 60, 65 overall, we're talking about linebackers and safeties. They yes. have one cornerback, Sage Ryan, who is an above average graded corner. Mm-hmm. And then when you're talking about Jeremiah Hughes, uh, LaTerrence Welsh, uh, you're looking at where's my where's my scoo- uh, Deuce Chestnut, yeah, uh, Syracuse yeah. transfer. Yeah, their 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 corners just don't play very well. Right. And I I think that this is where we're going to see a big step forward for Jaden Milrow because he has been one of the best deep ball passers in all of college football. He's really great at the short stuff, but that medium, that 10 to 19 yards, that's the area where you can cook corners schematically because the safeties are going to be staying high. They don't want to bring him down because then you open the, you open up the deep ball to Milrow and you know, he can beat you there. So essentially the game I think is really going to come down to, can Jaden Milrow target that deep middle of the field enough to allow for a very bad matchup of LSU to be exploited? And I think, re- and like, really, that is a really int- that is the a coach's best best thing in the world for a coach. You figured yeah. out the matchup, but you know what the, the toughest part is? You got to trust somebody who hasn't done it consistently yet. It's going to come facts. down to execution. Yeah, that is facts. And you know, the big part about that, like you're saying, is too, is that. LSU plays out of that traditional 4-3 defense, Tampa 2. They play Tampa 2. So they'll disguise the break shoes out of the coverage to, to, to make up for the insufficiencies at the corner. Safeties will slide out on the slot guy. They'll drop a safety, drop a linebacker, bring a safety down, drop a linebacker. You don't know who's going where. So they're trying to confuse Milrow, and he can be had. Yep. But if he sees it, he'll kill you. Ain't no ifs, ands, buts about it. So uh, that's the chess match within the chess match. Yep. So, but but I think Alabama's strategy defensively, they're just gonna try to kill him. 
They want to kill Jalen Daniels. Kill him. Get him out of the game. You know, do whatever we got to do to get him out. And then and then we'll see. But I don't think I I don't think Bama's got the horses for that. Not, not traditionally. They got one DB. Ule. Yeah. That's it. Everybody else? Nah. They ain't got the horses. So that saying all that, Andy, let's get to the pick. Yeah. Who you got and why? We've there's I think one of the things about this game that that is is really clear to me is that if you look at the body of work holistically, Alabama is definitely the better team. Alabama is definitely the better. The their defense is better than than the LSU offense. And when it, you flip the side of the ball, you think that Alabama is going to get enough to score. But like I think, as you can kind of tell by the way that I'm talking about this, when you look at certain things there's a pathway for LSU to win this game and it's by LSU jumping out to an early lead and then holding on and negating a lot of what makes Alabama very good. If Alabama's chasing this game, I think that they're, they're in for it. And I think that that's one of the things that Brian Kelly does do very well is set the tempo early, set the, set the tempo often. But when I, but you know, you're, you're going to make me pick if you're going to make me, uh, have to make a decision here. I still think Bama gets it done at home. I like Alabama to win this one, but I think it's going to be a lot higher scoring than anybody anticipates. I think that this is. I think that Bama wins this one, thirty-two to thirty. It's going to be. I think there's going to be a lot more offense here than we expect, uh, and I think that this might be one where Saban makes the right halftime adjustments. They're able to take advantage of LSU's defense in the second half, and LSU just isn't able to hold on. It's gonna, uh, but I do think this is gonna be last team with the ball wins. I I, can, I agree in totality. Last team with the ball wins, and last team with the ball. Would you rather have Daniel or Milrow? If you I'd need a score, who would you rather have? You I'd rather, rather have Daniel. Daniel. Daniel's gonna have the ball last. Give me the LSU Tigers with the upset over Bama to shake it up for the college football playoff. LSU wins 35-30 and beats Bama. Down goes Bama and LSU for sure, for sure. Andy, we're going to swing it to game two. We're going to stay in the SEC conference. We go from the west to the east, from the east to the west. You know how we get down in there. (laughs) This is a game that me and you have circled for weeks. Number one Georgia, who proved it, who stuck Big G in the corner and told him, hey, bro, you don't know what you're talking about. We are the number one team in the country and beat the brake shoes off the Florida Gators against a Missouri team that's been underrated, waiting for a year for this game. Payback. Big-time payback. It could be a staple for a program changer for the SECs. Because, ladies and gentlemen, if the Missouri Tigers beat Georgia, guess who's going to the SEC championship game representing the East this year? It ain't Georgia. (laughs) It ain't Georgia Bulldogs. It'll be the Missouri Tigers. So they got everything on the line. Got to go down to Athens. Andy, give it to me. Missouri versus Georgia. Who you got? You know, we we just spent all this time talking about playmakers and, and how important they can be into a game. And I think that we all got a wonderful national taste of how good Washington's receiving core is and how good Michael Penix Jr. is with what is probably the most loaded skill position passing attack that I have seen in a very long time. That being said, 
I don't love uh, Brady Cook, the Missouri quarterback, nearly as much as I love Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. I love this receiving group more than I love any other receiving group in the country. When you're talking Man. about Luther Bird in the third, Theo Wass Jr., Mookie Cooper, that is a trio. That Could they be the best? Could they be the best in the country? I think that I think all three of them are going to be playing on Sundays in a top three receiving core next year. I think that they're mm-hmm. all three of them are that good, pure, pure, just like stuff, talent, athleticism. They're all there. And yeah. it's a situation where, you know, Cooper's a junior. Yeah. Uh, Weiss, Ju- uh, Weiss is a uh, senior. And then Burden, the best of them all, he's a sophomore. So yeah. you're, you're looking at an experienced group with the best player being the young gun there. He's a slot type guy, but he's got over 900 yards. Eli Drinkwitz, this is what you hired him to do at Missouri. It took a Facts. long time to get there. They gave him a real soft extension this offseason where they basically took his buyout years and turned his buyout money into contract years. So the buyout never actually changed. So it wasn't really an extension. It was more of we're going to keep you around because we, we don't really know what to do here. Yeah. And he has proven that that it can happen at Missouri. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this Georgia defense that hasn't really been challenged all that much this season by a yeah. high explosive offense, yeah. how they're able to handle this type of challenge. Yeah. And I, I agree that, that you saw some of that at the very beginning of the Florida game. I, I don't know what in the heck the Florida coaches was thinking about when they went totally away from the game plan, how they hit Georgia on those first two initial drives. I, I don't know if it was because the tempo changed or because of the turnover. I don't know what it was. But that showed me right away that if you got outstanding skill positions on the outside, Georgia's DBs are soft as butter. They can be had. Straight up, no ifs, ands, buts about it. And – I would say, in my opinion, that Missouri has one of the most sleeper offenses in the entire nation. Nobody is talking about how good they are offensively. And they're very good defensively. <laughs> like, So don't get it twisted. It's not like Missouri's out there giving up 40 or 50 a game. Missouri can shut you down now, and they got NFL athletes on that side of the defense. So they play sort of like the Ohio State defense. They play that three-safety look where they rotate guys in and out. But – their ability to attack the run has been their primary strength defensively. Offensively passing, it ain't like all like that. And Georgia's got some receivers now. And I will say that Beck has grown up tremendously as a as a quarterback, man. Without having your, your best Blake Bowers out there, hey, he was hitting them boys with dimes all game with last week against Florida. So this is going to be a matchup for the ages. I think, like I said, Missouri can – this is a program changer. This is a program changer for them. So, Andy, we done broke down a little bit. Let's talk through it. Give me your stats and tell me who you got to win the game. Yeah, I thought one of the more interesting things that happened in that uh, Florida game was obviously Georgia went up big, but they still they threw the ball 28 times. I did yeah. not expect them to be so confident with their ability to uh, throw the ball. And it, it makes a ton of sense. It's it's mm. something that they are they're trying to keep the playbook balanced. You know that's what that's what makes them dangerous is they can beat you anywhere. They really yeah. spread the ball out when it came time for um, you know targeting. What what were they going to do without without their big boy Bowers? Yeah. Uh, and what I think is really interesting here is that Missouri's pass defense 
isn't necessarily elite. Their defense is actually pretty mediocre when you look at SP plus, when you look at uh, EPA as well, but they do get pressure. They don't get a ton of sacks, but they get a lot of pressure. They've they've got 102 pressures so far this season. That's in the top 25 of the country. Yeah. I, I, I think that what we saw in that Florida game was that the Gators ran a really good scripted opening to the game. I think that that's something that Missouri can replicate. Yes. And I think it's something that as the game plays on, Missouri has a better offense than uh, than Florida does holistically. And so for this reason, like I have wanted to pick against Georgia all year long. I don't Ooh. think... I don't think Missouri's the better team here. That being said, this is just too juicy of a matchup for me. 16 points is way too high of a spread for this game. Give me Missouri with the points, and I'm going to pull the trigger. I think the Missouri Tigers win this game 28-25. Tigers score four touchdowns in the first half. Defense holds on for dear life in the second half, and they're able to pull the upset down in Athens and throw us into complete and total chaos for the rest of the season. Man, Andy, man, that has been one of the most spiciest picks you've made since we've been <laughs> since we've been doing this inaugural first season of the Level Up Podcast for college football. I mean, I literally love the pick, right? And the more you talked about it, the more it was convincing me, right? I told you off air. I want to see total chaos in college football this year. I want I want the, the the college football playoff committee to know that they made a mistake by not pushing forward and getting the 12 team playoff for this year versus next year. Because this year there's going to be multiple teams that deserve it. And how else better could you do it? Let's give the Bulldogs who's probably going to be the number 1 ranked team tomorrow night when the college football playoff come out. Let's give the number 1 team a loss. Give me Missouri with the dub. Give me the Missouri Tigers with the dub, 31-27. Missouri wins at Georgia, and the SEC is in a tizzy. You don't know who's going what, because either way, it's either going to be Bama and Georgia on a collision course, or everything, all heck is going to break out after this week. And I think this is the week that stirs the pot for the SEC without a shadow of a doubt. Andy, we got one more game before we take our first commercial break. This game right here is another one that's going to decide some stuff, man. Kansas State, my girl Afton, who rocks with us on the Fans First Sports Network. This is your squad, Afton. Kansas State taking on them Longhorn boys. No Quinn Ewers, right? Texas looked good by running the ball, but they didn't look good in that passing game last week. And Kansas State traditionally always plays Texas tough. Sometimes beats them. Trick plays. Fake field goals, you know, whatever kind of way they got to do to win. A quarterback, halfback, tight end pass. I mean, it's going reverse, reverse, throw it downfield, you know, one of those. It happens every year. Kansas State of Texas, Andy. Talk to me, man. What's going on with this game for sure? I think you you hit on what's going to be the most interesting aspect of this entire uh, game. Without Quinn Ewers, Texas is going to rely heavily, heavily, heavily on their ability to run the ball effectively and keep the ball out of the air as much as they can. And I actually think that 
it's a pretty good strategy when you're Texas and apparently you can just recruit the best running back year after year after year. Like they are, uh, they are consistently finding offensive linemen who love to put their, you know, hands in the dirt and just push guys forward. And uh, Jonathan Brooks, sophomore out of Texas, he is just absolutely crushing it this year. 923 yards. Yeah. Uh, He's, he's so, he's so good. Not quite Bijan good, but no. he's he's really dang good. And it's it's really as simple as when you look at what Kansas State does mm. really well. Yeah. Kansas State is a team that wants to play a little bit ugly. They want to play tough. And when I take a look at their defensive metrics, they're actually pretty good at stopping the run. They're not one yeah. of the best teams uh, defenses in the country, you know, they're really, um, you know, they're, they're a top 25 unit in some metrics. They're not necessarily like a consensus top 25 unit, but yeah. what I think that they can do here is really ugly up this game, mm-hmm. you know, and that is all you need to do against Texas here in order to have a shot, because I do not think that Texas is in a position uh, to chase points. Like yeah. they they can win a grinded out game, but with all of the quarterbacks that they've got on their bench, tons of talent, not a lot of polish right now. Yeah. And I it it if Quinn Ewers is playing in this game, I actually think Texas wins this game by a touchdown. But without him, man, this is the perfect kind of upset special game for a team like Kansas State, where you can play ugly. And this game might not even get into the 20s by, by the time it's all said and done. That That is all facts. And, you know, the question is, will the real, real Will Howard stand up? Yeah. Because the Will Howard that we saw at the end of last season for Kansas State, and not at the very beginning, but after those first one or two games, is that the real guy? Because they recruited and brought Will Howard in for one reason and one reason only, to beat Texas. That's why they brought him there. Yeah. They didn't know – that Texas was going to be leaving going to the SEC at the time. Will Howard is a, is a Longhorn killer. You know, now they got that, that DJ Gibbons running back kid. He can run. They got some talent on the outside, for sure, for sure. They play schematically one of the craziest defenses out there because sometimes they even play with four linebackers. They Sometimes they go a 4-4-2, you know, which a 4-4-3, which is unheard of. And college, no, four, yeah, 4-4-3. They go four defensive linemen, four linebackers, and three DBs. So, Texas got that speed out there on the outside. Xavier Worthy's a dog now. But will the real Will Howard stand up? Because if he stands up, Longhorn Nation, you're in a little bit of trouble. Because I don't think you can go blow for blow. Not like that. But if you guys get out early, you know, and then juice that running game to give you an opportunity, yeah. But like I said, go back and look at the history the last five, six years. Kansas been popping Texas, boy. They've been popping them, you know. So the issue is, is this the year that that goes down or that happens? Or does Texas circle the wagons and say, nah, we still got a path to that college football playoff? Even though Oklahoma lost, we got a path. We just got to keep winning. So, Andy, saying that, who you got? What's your score, bro? I'm, I just keep looking at this game, and I, you brought it up a great point with the Kansas State defense. One of the things that I think we're going to find out really early on is how Sark wants to try to keep that defense off balance because yeah. 
right now, the recipe to beat Texas, stack the box and either get home on the quarterback and uh, prevent them from making easy throws or stop the run. And it's really going to be about like, you you know, you're kind of looking at the BYU game, not a whole lot to learn. BYU just wasn't there physically. And so even though they're stacking boxes, you can still pretty much run up the middle on them. Yeah. Uh, we, we saw in the Houston game a little bit where things started getting a little frisky when teams were able to handle the one-on-one battles and yeah. able to keep those boxes stacked and still hang tough enough on the edges. And again, I feel like I'm just, I feel like this might be an upset Saturday because I really like Kansas state in this game. Ooh. I, I think this is going to be, uh 20 to 17 game i don't think we're going to see a lot of scoring i think we're going to see a lot of runs i think we're going to see a lot of uh texas trying to use the run to set up the play action pass and trying to take shots that way yeah but i just think that Kansas state's defense is too good too disciplined to really fall for a lot of that stuff and that's that's an offense that kind of goes against what sark wants to do you know, yeah. he wants to keep things spread out. He wants to keep things in motion. He wants to keep things moving. I just think that Kansas State's going to have the ability to put the, pin those ears back and just get into the backfield. And it's not going to matter a whole lot what Texas does pre-snap uh, to nullify that mentality. So I'm, I'm going Kansas State here. I think it's going to be a good game. It's going to be an ugly game. Uh, but I like, I like the Wildcats to pull the upset here. Andy. You on fire today, bro. You're on fire. <laughs> I mean, like you're picking stuff, man. And wow, you're out there on the ledge, but I feel you, man. This game to me is gonna come down to one thing. Is Malik Murphy the guy? Yeah. Is he him? Is Malik Murphy him? Because last game he didn't look like him. No. 217 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. I don't know. Because you take a lot away, but when Texas becomes one-dimensional. Yeah. So now if Murphy shows up and shows out, because I'm telling you right now, Murphy is putting either an audition tape on to transfer out of there or solidify him being the starter going forward. So we're going to find out real quick, fast, in a hurry what's going on with Murphy. I'm going to tell you, man, I think Murphy's him. I think Malik Murphy's him. I really do believe it. I like his stature. I like his size. I think he just needed game experience. I'm taking the Longhorns. Give me the Longhorns, 35-21. And they move forward for, for trying to get in that college football playoff. I believe it. Hey, so look, we got the first three in. We got three to go. We're going to take a quick commercial break on Fans First Sports Network, Level Up Podcast, Big G and Andy P in the building, talking college football and college game day. For those watching us on YouTube, Give us about a 10 to 15 second pause and we'll be right back here in a few moments on the Level Up Podcast. And we're back with the Level Up Podcast, Fans First Sports Network, Andy P and Big G in the building talking about the college football, welcome to the playoffs. It is the elimination playoffs, whether you believe it or not. I know we're waiting for the 12-team playoff next year, but this week starts it all. It's going to kick it off with the slate of games we got going on. Andy, 
We covered the first three. We're in the back half of the building, and we kick it off with another banger. The Washington Huskies versus the USC Trojans out there in California. This game could be for Michael Penix to get the Heisman Trophy, ladies and gentlemen, because he's playing against the defending Heisman Trophy winner and Caleb Williams, who's got now got two losses, standing on the sideline and escaped last week, a 50-49 win against Cal. USC's got no defense. They're trash. <laughs> but but Washington, I don't know. I don't know if they got great defense like that either. So, Andy, Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, maybe the quarterback scoring game of the, of the week. If you like offense, this is a game you need to tune into. What you got for me with the matchup versus the Huskies and the Trojan boys in USC? Yeah, I, at this point in time, look, uh, USC's got to got to take a real long hard look in the mirror here. Uh, I know that this game, the last game that USC just played uh, against Cal, a little bit of a weird situation where uh, Lincoln Riley was out for medical reasons for most of the week leading up to game prep. Cliff right. Kingsbury was really kind of the acting head coach. You're you're not going to make any major changes in that situation. But when you're looking at the USC defensive coordinator and the rest of the defensive staff. At this point in time, I, I just don't know what is excusable because either you do not have Division One athletes to compete and field a competitive enough defense for what you're supposed to be at USC. Yeah. But also, this is kind of Lincoln Riley's MO. This is the same stuff that he was pulling at Oklahoma where the defense Thanks. was always a liability. Hmm. And so you, you go out to USC, and if it's not – if you don't want to put – put the the blame at Lincoln Riley's feet for recruiting then you got to look at the coaching staff and just say you're not you're not doing enough and I don't think that USC necessarily had the athletes to have an elite defense but they at least had what could be a, a mid defense at at, yeah. war, at best and instead they are one of the worst units in the country and now they're going up against a Washington team that I think got most of their post Oregon everything out against uh, uh, Arizona State in a game that is historically challenging for them. Uh, that Stanford game gave me pause, but, you know, it's a road game in a Pac-12. Yeah. And the big thing is that they put up 42 points again. The offense got back into clicking after a weird game against Arizona State, only putting up 15 points. They put up 42 here. Yeah, I think that there's a legitimate chance here that – Washington throws 60 up on USC. And I don't, I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's like out of the realm of like crazy possibilities. So the question becomes, does Caleb Williams have it in him to do what would be a Herculean effort and match that in some capacity? Because there is nothing about the USC defense right now that makes me think that they can get any kind of stop against Washington right now. Just just nothing. Man, all facts. Andy, before we go any further, let's give our first tire fire award to the USC Trojans defense. You guys are legitimately tire fire. <laughs> Burn the building down. Fire all the coaches immediately. <laughs> you couldn't stop. You couldn't stop a peewee league team at this stage. No. At this stage of the game, somebody's getting 50 on you. Everybody's out there getting 50. But guess what? USC can get 50 too. USC can get 50 on anybody, anybody in the country, because what they have all offensively. Yeah. It's Caleb Williams and NFL wide receiving talent all around him. Straight up facts. 
NFL running back talent around them. They have NFL players all the way across the board offensively for the Trojan boys. Defensively, couldn't catch a cold in the middle of a winter storm. <laughs> You're horrible, right? So this is an old-fashioned shootout because I don't think that Washington can slow them down. I, I looked at Washington. I went back to review the, the All-22 film, the Washington Huskies versus Oregon and Patreon. Washington's defense was trash. They got cooked, right? And then I went back and lost a little bit of Arizona State versus them. And the issue with Arizona State, they couldn't get off the ball. Their wide receivers couldn't release for nothing because guess what Arizona State did? They pressed them the whole game. Well, US, you know, it's a it's a mono e mono mimic and mock league out there in the Pac-12. So when a guy comes up with a game plan to stop you, the next team's coming around with it. So I think this last team with the ball, super score game, offensive game of the week, maybe offensive game of the year. So, Andy, who you got with the score? Washington Huskies, USC Trojans. This is one of those games. I've, I've already called a couple of upsets here. This is one where I think you just look at the stats, especially Washington is such a good offense and what they do well on defense. They do one thing on defense and that is stop the pass on second and third downs. They yeah. also rush the pass. They've got 91 uh, pressures this season. Caleb, we know that when he's trying to do a little bit too much, he tends to roll out. He likes to get on the run and he likes to sometimes create difficult situations for himself yeah. by not staying in the pocket and, and trying to create and try to move bodies by, by moving himself. And I think that if you're, again, this Washington defense is not great, but if there's one thing that they do well, it's get bodies into the backfield. Yeah. And I'm, my thought is that Washington opens up the game scoring and Caleb feels like he has to press and he has to do too much. And he starts doing bad habits that we've seen a little bit more this year than we saw last year. And it ends up playing into what the Washington defense does best. Yeah. And so for that reason, I like the Washington Huskies to win this game. Give me the Huskies 56 to 45. I think this game's going to just be an off. It's going to be a shootout. I don't think there's very many stops, but I think the Washington Huskies uh, get this one. And Michael Penix Jr., this is his Heisman game. This is his moment. I think he's going to pass for a ton of touchdowns. I think he's going to get over 400 yards. I think it's going to be that moment where we all turn and say, like, okay, that was his game. That, like, yeah. they have the Oregon win. That was a team win. This is yeah. going to be his win over the USC Trojans. Man, I, I like the pick. I, there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. I like the pick. But I think it's going to be a lot closer. I I think, actually, the game's going to be 49-42 Washington. And I believe that the Heisman moment for Penix is to lead them down. Because it's going to be 42 all Because Caleb Williams is going to play his heart out in this game. He's got nothing else to play for yeah. but accept the fact of possibly as a dark horse to win the Heisman Trophy. He's got nothing else to play for. So he's leaving it all out there on the field. I saw him cry against Utah and sit on the bench. He was clearly frustrated against Notre Dame when they lost. So what you got left to play for, bro? You can't play in a Pac-12 championship game. Not unless just all chaos breaks out. So 
He's going to give it everything he got. I look for Caleb Williams to throw five touchdown passes. Easily five touchdown passes against Washington. And I think this is a shootout. So, Penix, I like you 49-42 to win the game. But you better not lay an egg, buddy. Because if you do, your team's going down. And your season's out of here. <laughs> for real, for real. So, give me Washington 49-42. Andy. Game five or six in Elimination Sunday. I mean, Elimination Saturday. College football playoff. Playoff starting now. It is welcome to the playoffs. Oklahoma Sooners versus Oklahoma State. Bedlam. Last time Bedlam might be played in a long time. There's a lot of robberies going on there, man. My man Mike Gundy talking about he's 40 and he's a man. <laughs> <laughs> trying to show up and show out. Versus them Oklahoma Sooners, who's coming off of a crucial, pivotal loss to Kansas. Andy, what you got? Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma and Bedlam. Yeah, Oklahoma did that thing where they, with again, with one of the best defensive minds of our generation, just decided to play no defense. And you did it against the team that had a quarterback that threw two picks. They got gashed on the ground. Facts. It was all really kind of stupid. Like, I thought you were better than this, Oklahoma. I really did. And they were not. They're the same old Sooners. And so you look at this. And so what I wanted to say is, like, coming into this game, if Oklahoma was different, yeah, wipe the floor with Oklahoma State. Yeah, But if you're the same old Sooners, then you're looking at this game being real stupid because this game is never anything other than stupid unless one of these two teams is – uh, you know, legitimately playing for for something, and, and they're a, a much better team. I think Oklahoma's playing for something. I just think that they have a lot of the same old habits that oftentimes lead this game to be stupid. And Oklahoma State is a team where I think if you came to me after Week Four, we were talking about you know what are they going to do with Mike Gundy? The situation's not great, but since then they've ripped off four straight wins. They beat Kansas State. They beat yeah. Kansas. Yes. They beat then a they went on the road to beat West Virginia, who has turned things around. Yeah. And then they absolutely dominated Cincinnati uh, at home this week. And these are two teams that are trending in very different directions. It's tough for me because a lot of Oklahoma State stuff is based on the whole season's body of work, not you know, just the last few weeks' bodies of work. But yeah. the one thing that stands out to me, Oklahoma State sixth best rushing offense according to EPA and we Kill just saw last week what can happen to an Oklahoma rushing defense it can just vanish and dry up one day yeah killer 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 stat killer stat man listen man this rivalry it, it's not Ohio State Michigan no. don't get me wrong it's not USC UCLA it's not even Texas Oklahoma but Bedlam's for real man there's a lot of hate and a lot of animosity between these two programs. And I've been saying all year, Oklahoma's fool's gold. Oklahoma should have lost against Texas. They managed some kind of way to pull it out at the end. I don't know all what happened. I think that, I think really, to be honest, Texas peed down their leg, you know, and gave them the game. But they're fool's gold. I don't, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying their quarterback. Everybody was, oh, he's a Heisman guy. No, 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 no. And I think, I think that this game right here is the season for Oklahoma State. 
This is their signature win. If they're able to pull it out and say, hey, look, we're the Big 12 still the standard, bro. Adios, muchachos, for you to the SEC, bro. We're, we're the standard around here. So saying all that, Andy, who you got with Bedlam? Last time maybe to ever be played, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. I don't know if I can pick Oklahoma State to win because Ooh. I do think that there's still a lot of concerns holistically with the Oklahoma State defense just not really being special on stopping either side of the ball. What I do think we're going to get is an Oklahoma State team that has, at this point in time, they about 60% of their snaps have been passes. I expect that to flip in this game. I expect them to run the ball far more than they pass the ball. And I expect Oklahoma to have issues stopping them. So I think what you're going to end up getting is a really close game. I think that Oklahoma State is going to be primed to pull the upset. But I think at the end of the day, you know, Oklahoma is still the better team. Oklahoma is still the better roster overall at pretty much every position except running back. And I like the Sooners to eke this one out. 25 23 it's gonna be close it's gonna be silly something weird's gonna happen that's why i got that weird score in there there's gonna be a safety at some point in time but i i think that this is really gonna be way closer than vegas thinks it's gonna be and i think that this is gonna be a classic bedlam game where there might be a lot of swings back and forth here just because of how evenly matched these two teams are coming into the game uh right now yeah somebody's getting kicked out of this game yeah. I'm just letting you guys know there's going to be a fight between Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and somebody's getting it kicked out for roughing the passer. Somebody's getting kicked out for targeting. There's going to be a fight or two. Somebody might get kicked out like that. I look for this to be one of the highest penalized games of the weekend because this is pure hate. They can't stand each other. And when it comes down to that, you know what it comes down to, Andy? Toughness. You know who the toughest player is for both teams on both squads? Ali Gordon the third. Running back, Oklahoma State University. The kid's got 1,100 yards rushing. He has been punishing people. And as the game goes further and further on, he smash mouths over and over and over and over. So give me the Oklahoma State Cowboys to beat the Oklahoma Sooners in the last bedlam. 28-21. Okie State smashes Oklahoma and ruins the Big 12's chance to get a team in the college football playoff. Andy, we got one to go. Last one. Bigger game than what anybody's talking about. I called last week the trap game. This is the ultimate trap game. <clears throat> the Ohio State University, ranked number three currently in the AP poll. We'll see come in about 24 hours where they're going to be dropping at. Some, scenes, some people are saying they're number one. Goes into Rutgers, an 18-and-a-half point uh, um, spread, 18-and-a-half, with a Rutgers team coached by Greg Schiano, who's 6-2. and two. Now, they got mopped by Michigan. Ain't no ifs, ands, buts about it. But this is a measuring stick for the Buckeyes because when I'm telling you there's going to be some stuff going on over in New Jersey with Coach Schiano, Ohio State, I don't know, man. We got issues at quarterback, but we're going to get to it. Andy, what you got this week for the Ohio State University 
at Rutgers, who's six and two and could be a trap game. I mean, I definitely think it's a trap game for a, a big reason, and that's the Rutgers pass defense. So Rutgers has been great this year. They've covered in every game except for that aforementioned Michigan game. They just play opponents close because of their defense. They're, uh, you know, they're they've got a great EPA against the pass. They do a great job at limiting yak, which is something that you know you that's fundamentals. That's tackling. That's staying close to your guys. Right. That's making sure that you make the safe play, not always going for the big play. And that's reflected in the fact that for having one of the best pass defenses in the country, they don't really pressure the quarterback all that much or get a ton of sacks. Mm. So if you're looking at this Ohio State team, it presents a really unique challenge here because I do think that the Ohio State passing attack at this point in time is just kind of Marvin Harrison Jr. and nothing else. Now, that being said, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the type of guy that you can do that with, and there's mm-hmm. very few of those guys that exist in college football, let alone the NFL, and yeah. he, he's one of those guys. Like he is, He's definitively one of the best wide receivers in the sport of football right now. Facts. And I think it's going to be really interesting how Shiano tries to nullify Harrison. I think you're going to see a lot of double coverages. I think you're going to see a lot of – zone coverage where he's asking whoever plays quarterback for Ohio state to make tough throws in tight windows yeah. uh, and then rely on his Rutgers team to kind of wrap everybody up and, and keep the play in front of them, mm-hmm. which I, I, to your point, I think provides a really interesting opportunity for Ohio state to do something that they did a little bit against uh, Wisconsin, which is run the ball. Yeah. Rutgers, has the 80th ranked defense against the run according to epa and this is where i think ryan day is going to show a lot about the type of coach that he is because i know every single one of you down in columbus and the columbus adjacent area is terrified of that team in blue that likes to put 11 personnel in the box and just run the ball straight at you i understand Mm. that there's some ptsd around that (laughs) <laughs> this is this is the kind of game where I don't think Rutgers is nearly as good running the ball as that other team, mm. but this is an opportunity for you to practice that running attack. If you want to play smash mouth football, if you want to run the ball up the middle against the team that knows it's coming, this is a great opportunity for that. And I think that there can be a lot of success if Ohio State decides to just put the ball in their pocket and run the ball more often than they try to force the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr., especially yeah. early in this contest. Yeah. The, the issue is this, is that, you know, Kyle McC- – well, let me say this, number one. Buckeye fans are spoiled. I mean, think three quarterbacks back. C.J. Stroud, yeah. Justin Fields, Dwayne Haskins. Come on, man. You know, all NFL first-round draft picks. Kyle McCord's not that. But Kyle McCord has to be a guy – that cannot turn the ball over. If McCord turns the ball over, that makes Ohio State move closer to a team that they should naturally just be blowing out. So, And let's face it, some of that has to be with the health of the team. I, I, I know for a fact that Mecco Buka will be going this week. He could have went last week against Wisconsin. But they held him out from a precautionary, but he could have went. Ain't no ass and buts about it. He's ready to roll. I don't know about the status of Mayan Williams. I really don't know the status of McCord. Well, I'm going to find out this week. I heard that Brown is going to be back and be ready to roll this week for the Buckeyes. 
So if you got Brown back, McCord is decently healthy, you bring in a Buka, let's re- lean on the run game. The issue is Josh Fryer, the right tackle for Ohio State, he's the link for the offense for the Ohio State Buckeyes. His play is horrible. Josh Fryer is one of the worst tackles that started Ohio State in 10 years. And once again, you're spoiled. You know, you got guys like Paris Johnson in the league. You got guys like Juwan Jones, Thanos out there with the Cleveland Browns killing them in the league. You know, you're spoiled. You're used to having NFL talent everywhere. Josh Fryer is not NFL talent, not a right tackle, right? But I think the game plan this week has to be a heavy dose of run with Travion Henderson, with Chip Traynham. But you got to get Kate Stover, who didn't have a catch or a pass thrown to him the entire game against Wisconsin. Oh, I wonder why. They kept him in the block because they was trying to protect that right side for Kyle McCord, which he ended up getting sacked, had a fumble. But if I went back and, and, and looked at a little bit of the All-22 film, all of it will be out tomorrow. I don't think he played that bad outside of those three mistakes he made. He put the ball where it needed to be. Some of that was on – some of them Buckeye wide receivers. But you get a Buka back this week, right? Now, defensively, this is where I got a big change and big difference. And I'm going to make a bold statement right here on the Level Up podcast. The number one defense in the country is in the Columbus, Ohio. They are the number one defense in all of college football. They're number one. And what makes them better and what makes them different is the back-end play of the defensive backs. This season – Unlike any season in a long time, Ohio State got NFL DBs, y'all. It's Minoza, Proctor, Burke, Ranson, Sonny Styles, all NFL players. And that makes all the difference in the world with the upfront guy. Because you got a dog stud middle linebacker. You got a decent guy in Steel Chambers. Tommy Eichenberg's that guy at middle, for y'all that don't know his name. You got a killer defensive lineman. I mean, that eight-man rotation is just unbelievable. But what makes the difference is those DBs. Those DBs, Ismanosa, Proctor, Burke, Styles, Ranson, it's all the difference in the world. Martinez should never play another game this year. He played one play <laughs> and got killed. So, Martinez, you can't play. I'd rather have the freshman, number 24 in there, Mathis. Let us, let's get him in the game. But Ohio State – has got the number one defense in the country. And that makes all the difference in the world. What they did, what able to do against Wisconsin and held them on that goal line stance and three points in the first half and then only let them get that one touchdown, Ohio State's giving up less than 12 points a game. You know, they're they're shutting squads down. And their resume is talking now. Because over and over again, they've done what they had to do. So, but I know Rutgers going to try to run at them. But we'll see, Andy. I went on my rant about the Buckeyes, Andy. (laughs) I'm going to swing it to you. You tell me who you got and what's the score for the last game of this week's Welcome to the Playoff show on the Level Up podcast. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, I really do not like Rutgers, man. I have never liked Rutgers. I went to school at Syracuse when Syracuse-Rutgers was like a Big East (laughs) football rivalry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bait myself a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, Greg Shiano was the coach then too. Really don't like that guy. Facts. Ray so, Rice. Oh man, that those teams were stacked with New yeah. Jersey guys that were deciding between Cuse and New Jersey and ended up or, and Rutgers and stayed home in Jersey. Yeah. Uh, because of what Shiano did. Yeah. So 
I I have been on the on the bandwagon that I think Rutgers is like probably one of the biggest paper tigers that we've seen. Like they've played a really soft schedule Ooh. and they've taken care of business. They've played some bad Big Ten teams and they've taken care of business. I think what we saw against Michigan is the real Rutgers. I yep. do not think that this team is anywhere near the talent level of Ohio State. I think Ohio State's going to dominate the trenches. I think Ooh. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to have his way. And I think this defense is just going to really shut out Rutgers. Give me Ohio State 35-3. to three. And I think, it's, I think that this is going to be the – I don't know how Ohio State's going to score. I don't know if it's going to be even between running and passing. But what I do think we're going to see is that that physical mentality – that Ohio State needs to start instilling in its game plan a little bit more as we as we march towards the end of the season. I yeah. think you're going to start to see little notes of that in this game where we're going to see a lot more opportunities where in previous games, Ohio State might have looked to pass or take a shot where they yeah. instead decide to set up a, a run play and, and start trying to just wear, wear their opposition down. Andy, you know how I rock and how I get out. Mm-hmm. It's the Buckeye boys, the Ohio State. But I'm going to tell you something, man. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to win the Heisman Trophy. As long as he keeps playing the way he's playing and he gets there and we get to tune, for you guys that's out there listening, that stands for T-T-U-N, because we don't say the M word around here. That's a bad word, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And he gets to T-T-U-N, the team up north. We get to them. Marv's going to win the Heisman. Give me the Buckeyes. 49 to 10 this week against Rutgers in a smoke session. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. goes for almost 200 yards and two touchdowns. And we're going to get a defensive touchdown. I don't know if it's going to be one of the corners pick something off, defensive end pick up a scoop and score. We're getting a defensive touchdown this week against Greg Shiano. Give me the Buckeyes, man. Winning big and marching to maybe prove that they are the number one team in college football. Because we, if, based on me and Andy's predictions and picks, they could be number one after this week. Andy, we're to the end. Great show again. Fans First Sports Network, Level Up Podcast. You can hear us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts. But before we go, Andy, final thoughts. What you got to say, bro? I'm excited for tomorrow's playoff rankings. I'm with you, Big G. I think Georgia's going to come out at number one. I think we're all going to be a little annoyed at how high Michigan's going to get ranked. I wouldn't be Facts. surprised to see Michigan above Ohio State, even though I would have put Ohio State above Michigan. Facts. Uh, and I would watch out for Florida State to get rounded off in that top five, in that top four mm-hmm. because you're in this awkward position now where based off of how the ACC has kind of blown up in front of FSU – yeah, uh, they don't really have any games left to improve their ranking. They can only drop out. So mm-hmm. I could see the committee giving FSU three in order to, you know, give them some cushion in case, you know, they they drop down to four because of another team leapfrogging them or something. I think it's yeah. all going to be really interesting, but I do think it's going to tell us so much about, you know, can't, will there be two SEC teams? Will there be two Big Ten teams? Tomorrow's rankings didn't give us a big look into whether or not that's possible or not. Yeah, I agree in totality. And I'm sending a message to the college football playoff committee, man. Y'all, you change the rules every year. Let's go off strength of schedule. 
And when you say strength of schedule, who's got it? Ain't no ifs, ands, buts about it. Who's got it? Who's got strength of schedule? It's the Buckeye boys. We already done proved it. We done whooped two top 10 teams already. So I know it ain't going to go down like that. I'm hoping and praying it does. But I got Georgia one, Ohio State two, Florida State three, Michigan four in the inaugural play- playoff. First two teams out, Washington and Texas. That's my initial first poll, right? But we're closing out. Thank you guys again for listening to us. We appreciate all the comments over in the live chat. We are building this college football level up preview show into something special. And we just can't wait to get to after the review of this week's games and next week's call. As for Big G and Andy P, Fans First Sports Network Level Up Podcast, we'll holla at you. Peace.